Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. And as you're doing that, this morning we're going to talk uh, on an aspect of the Holy Spirit. And one aspect of that that uh, we're going to talk about this morning, uh, I would probably wish I could give kind of a more of an introduction on the Holy Spirit, as some of you uh, may certainly have uh, good, adequate Bible teaching and knowledge, and others uh, who are new in the faith or growing in the faith. But a couple of scriptures will suffice just by way of introduction as you're finding your way to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, remember when Jesus, after he was resurrected, and before he ascended to the Father, uh, he met with his disciples. And they were, inter- they were interested in wanting to find out about end times uh, theology. But Jesus said to them, but you told them to go and wait, gather together. But he said, that's not for you to know the times. But verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, of course, you'll be my witnesses throughout the earth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. Now, it wasn't that that was the, only time, that was the first time the Holy Spirit was introduced. In fact, we see the Holy Spirit back in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when the Spirit hovered over the face of the earth. But different than the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was uh, around or, or specialized upon certain individuals for special works of service, prophets and kings and priests. But in the New Testament, as we see, you know, if you were to read on and you're familiar with in Acts chapter 2, Peter would speak about when this empowerment came upon them and they began to speak in other tongues and languages, that he said, this is that which Joel prophesied. So the difference... The Holy Spirit isn't going to just be around them, but the Holy Spirit is going to be in you and empower you. And that is the great promise as a new covenant believer is that the Holy Spirit has been given to us and is in us to empower us to accomplish and fulfill uh, the works of Jesus, what we couldn't do in of ourselves. One other scripture just by way of, of uh, just introduction tied to uh, a thought of where we're going this morning is over in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And the scripture Paul tells the Philippians, he says, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my present presence, but much more in my absence. Okay, here's what we want to see. Work out, not work for, work out, your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, verse 13 is the key, for it is God who works in you. Say, it is God. It is God who works in you, that's the Holy Spirit, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So, tremendous promise of the work of the Spirit. Now, certainly, we're not even touching on Jesus' teaching and the multiple teachings, but I just want to kind of give those two as kind of a couple of quick scriptures as we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And this morning, uh, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit 
working it in our life as Christians to shape us, mold us, uh, empower us to work or to be conformed or made in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, in the book of Galatians, gives us some wisdom about being under the Holy Spirit's control. That's why when he speaks about you're going to be empowered, you're going to be given the Holy Spirit, power inside the power of God. And so today's message is entitled, Walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I guess if I was going to subtitle it, I could subtitle it, How to Live the Spirit-Controlled Life. Being under the Spirit's control. You ever been in a, a car that uh, uh, lost control and you wound up in a ditch? You ever been in something where it just lost control of, of being able to guide it? Well, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as believers to uh, guide us into fulfilling uh, the purposes of God for our life. He's not just given us these commandments from the mountaintop, but He's actually given us the empowerment to fulfill it. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. When Jesus said to those disciples in Acts chapter 1 to go and wait for the Holy Spirit because the mission that Jesus was giving them to go into Jerusalem and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, he says, in essence, you can't do that by yourself. You can't do that just with your own smarts and wits. You need the empowerment the very presence, very, my very presence in your life to empower you to do what is impossible for you to do by yourself. And I think one of the great examples of that is when you just look at the life of Peter. I mean, compare Peter before Acts chapter 2 and compare Peter from Acts chapter 2 forward. A completely different person. What made the difference? The difference was the Holy Spirit dwelling in his life. And so in Galatians, uh, just, you know, that's, I know, an inadequate introduction because the Holy Spirit topic is such a deep and complex aspect and so many components to it. We're, we're going to just kind of parachute in the middle of Galatians, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of the lengthy text, and then we're going to break it down this morning and look at it in some detail. This morning, uh, will be more teaching, so it's a good time to uh, take a note or two and, and, uh, and kind of follow along. But this morning is going to be a little bit more of a teaching concerning walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And I would direct your attention to Galatians chapter 5, uh, and we're going to begin at verse 16. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. And the Word of God reads thus, But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18. But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, 
strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You can't manufacture these things. Verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If, notice the if, if we live by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There's three words in this passage that if you uh, mark in your Bibles, and I hope you do mark in your Bibles and, and underline and circle and do all those things, uh, a Bible that is worn out usually belongs to somebody who is not. Uh, so uh, make use of your Bible. It's a tool God given, has given us. But there's three words in this passage we're going to use as our kind of break it down into three parts this morning. And that is these three words. In verse 16 is the word walk. Verse 18 is the word led. And verse 25 is the word live. Walk, led, live. Those three words, we're going to break it down and gain some understanding from Paul's wisdom, the Holy Spirit's wisdom from Galatians chapter 5. But let's pray first and ask the real teacher this morning to guide us in the word. Father, we just are in need of your wisdom and direction of your spirit that points us to Jesus this morning. We pray that as we open the words of life to not just gain knowledge, but Lord, gaining truth to, Lord, be the transforming power that you use to mold us, to shape us, to direct us, Lord, into being the men and women you've created us to be. So, Father, we, we gladly, with joy, submit to your holy word this morning. Lord, myself is one who stands before Lord, your, your flock this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be that which is pleasing and acceptable in your sight. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at these three different aspects this morning and break those down. Uh, the first one is walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And we see in verse 16, this is what is an imperative in the language in the Greek, Galatians 5.16, or a command. Paul says, it's not a suggestion. Paul gives a command. He said, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Holy Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, remember, we taught on Galatians several years back on a Wednesday night. Remember what's going on in Galatians and why this is such a big deal is because the Galatian church at Galatia really wasn't a single church, but it was kind of a region of churches in the region of Galatia, a non-Jewish area, territory. 
And Paul was writing them to bring correction into their life because these uh, believers, these Christians who had embraced faith in Christ, were now kind of being infiltrated by false teachers. How many of you know false teaching can wreak havoc in the church? And they were being infiltrated by these false teachers that were saying, kind of in a, an overly simplistic way, yes, Jesus is important, but, but you really need to also keep the Jewish law, the Sabbaths, the festivals, the dietary laws. You need to keep all those things, not just as maybe that's part of your culture, which I don't have any problem with, but not to keep those as somehow by keeping the law that you're gaining or maintaining righteousness before God. You see, they were being told, yes, Jesus is important, but make sure you don't give up the works, the works of the law. That's contrary to Scripture that teaches that it is Christ alone. There's only one work that matters, and that's the work of Jesus at the cross. And we have faith in what Jesus has done, not what we bring to the table. The only thing we bring is our sin. But notice this correction. He says in verse, uh, back in chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, he says, I am astonished that you're abandoning this gospel. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I don't know if I have those. I don't think I have them on the screen. But he says that, you know, you're actually turning to a different gospel. So what does he give them as a remedy? He gives them as the remedy, don't walk by the old standard of the law-keeping, because that won't do you any good. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Holy Spirit. That's the command. And you know, again, that we can always, that's nothing new. The problems the Galatians fell into is a problem we can all fall into. We may not call it in keeping Jewish law, but always falling into that what I do, what I accomplish, coming to church, uh, dropping some money in an offering box, whatever, it's what I do, what I bring, that somehow I've earned my righteousness. You don't earn anything. You receive it as a gift of the righteousness of Jesus and Jesus alone. Heaven's requirement is only one name that heaven will recognize for your entrance, and that is Jesus. Your deeds, your works, all those things mean nothing apart from the finished work of Christ, and you need to be in on what he has done. And the apostle says that we are to walk by the Spirit. Verse 25, uh, it reiterates that. He says we are to walk, and that's the example of when you're walking in or by the Spirit, that means you are walking in the circumference, like if you're walking uh, in this building, you're inside the building. You go outside the building, you're not in the building. When you're in the Spirit, when you're in Christ, you're walking as His perimeter, His circumference. The Holy Spirit of God is the, is the atmosphere, if you will, by which we live as new believers. Interesting, the word uh, peripateo uh, in the Greek is the word for walk, and the way that it is used in the uh, original Greek speaks of a continuous, regular action. It's not just a one-time thing. It isn't just having an experience with the Holy Spirit, and I did that back in 1985, and boy, that was great. No, it's a continuous daily of walking in the Spirit, living life in the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that that word is also 
uh, as I said earlier, the, the way that it is written, it's not only a continuous, regular action to walk in the Spirit, but it's written as an imperative. It's a command. Paul's saying, I command you, as an, as an apostle of God, I command you to walk in the Spirit, keeping in step with Him. So not only is it a command, but we also see in verse 16 that when you begin to do this, there's going to be conflict. Verse, also in verse 16, it says that the Holy Spirit, when He begins to take dominion over your life, there's going to be tension. You, you know, I've said this before. Some of you said, well, when I became a believer, I never realized that I would have so many troubles. But they're different kind of troubles. Because see, as long as you were living and serving the former master, he never messed with you. Well, he did. You just enjoyed it, right? But now you've switched sides by the grace of God. You have a different allegiance, a different master. You're under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden there's going to be tension and conflict. That's what uh, the verse 16 says, that if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, which tells me that even as a Spirit-filled believer, there is the ongoing desires of the flesh that we have to deal with, Okay, that we have to daily uh, bring to the cross, that we have to daily make those Spirit-filled, Spirit-led choices to say, I am not going to respond in anger. I'm not going to respond in this. I'm going to walk and listen to the Spirit of God. My life is being conformed. I'm making these choices. He says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The more I commit, listen to me, the more that you and I commit to walking in Christ, the more we commit our habits and life to be in conformity with Christ, guess what? We're going to find that sometimes those relationships, those tensions, those old sins in our life, they're going to be constantly giving us tension and friction because I used to, you know, maybe you used to respond in a certain way or you used to do something that, that you just thought, you know, this is kind of just the way I am. This is the way I, I'm wired. And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 I've, I've rewired you. You're a new creation in Christ. You have a new wiring system. And so it brings conflict, and the conflict comes is when we have to make that choice and decision that am I going to walk by the Spirit? Am I going to follow the command, the imperative of walking in the Spirit? He says in verse 17, for the, and he explains this, he says, For the desires of the flesh. Flesh is a, a word the Bible uses that speaks of our, our old sinful nature. When we, become, when we are born again, that's not eradicated. We still have to Live in this, this flesh, if you will, all right? Not just talking about skin and bone, but speaking of the, 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 the old nature, uh, even though our, we've been born again, we still have to do battle with, with, those, with those habitual sins, right? And so he says, for the desires of the flesh, doesn't mean the desires are eradicated. The desires of the flesh, those are now against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. You see the conflict that's going on there. 
You have conflict. So don't think that just because I now make a choice to follow Jesus, I just now uh, make a choice to bring my life in conformity with following after God, I didn't realize there was going to be such conflict on the job. All of a sudden now, those unethical things that I did without ever even thinking about it, fudging on those receipts and those work orders or whatever, all of a sudden now, the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction in my life and saying, that's kind of like lying. That's dishonest. That's not pleasing the Lord. All of a sudden now, there's conflict. There's conflict going on there. And you see, if we submit to the wrong direction, there's a consequence also in verse 17. Because he says, for these are opposed to each other. Why? What is the flesh to keep you? What does the flesh do? The flesh is to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Just because you have a strong desire to give people a piece of your mind, you know you do that enough, you won't have any mind left, and sometimes that's evident because you've given so many pieces away. But, you know, you want to do that. That brings some real satisfaction for the moment. All of a sudden, then, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to leave that in God's hands. Oh, it would give me great pleasure to go in there. You know, you ever want to say something snarky to somebody and you can't think of it in the moment? And then when you go home, you think of some really cool things that you could have just said, right? Holy Spirit says, look, no, 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 no. You're under different leadership now. That's not walking in the Spirit because the flesh wants to keep you from doing the things you want to do. As born again, we desire to live for Christ, to keep you. So listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your walk is the daily routine of living. It isn't just having these excitable, one-time moments at a revival meeting. No, it is the continual, daily, daily, mundane life living where I am walking in the Spirit. I don't step out of the Spirit. I'm in the Spirit as a born-again believer, and I'm living life where I'm being I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the second word in our text, and that's the word being led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. A lot more we could say about that. But secondly, in verses 18 through 21, being led by the Spirit. So now we hear, or we see Paul, he's laid a, a doctrinal timeline or foundation, but now he's going to give us some 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 little more practical things of what we are to do. And so that gives us, if we are going to be led by the Holy Spirit, then that means we need to follow His direction, verse 18. But if, if, that's what? That's conditional. He's writing to believers like, look, this isn't like just guaranteed, you know, this isn't a passive thing. Sanctification is not passive. That scripture we read earlier in Philippians chapter 2, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't work for it, but that's the balance. It's God who's working in you, all right? You're actively making choices. You're actively applying the Spirit. You're actively seeking wisdom from God, knowing that that empowerment and that enablement is the Holy Spirit 
working in your life, all right? When you don't know what to do, Jesus says, ask, ask, and it will be given unto you. And so direction, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And we know that that was a particular issue uh, to the Galatians or the people that were hearing this letter because they were confusing that being a follower of Jesus, that I still needed to keep these legalistic law-keeping in order to maintain my justification before the Lord. And that's not, that was certainly contrary to being led by the Spirit. By the way, let me just say this. You know, it's a a lot easier if I just kind of hand you a list of do's and don'ts, right? That's just kind of easier, right? It's a little nebulous or... I don't even know what nebulous means, but it sounds good. Um, To say, walk by the Spirit. Okay, but what do I do? Walk by the Spirit. Okay, but what do I do? Give me my list. Can I go to movies? Can I, where am I, I mean, all this stuff we import, right? Walk by the Spirit. You see, it's a lot easier to say, "Here's, here's all the stuff of do's and don'ts, and here's Here's the deception, is you can keep the list perfectly and still have a heart that's rotten and out of step with God's purposes for your life. That's why legalism uh, is so sometimes attractive because we feel safe in an environment where we just have to keep a certain, you know, rule book, plan book, It's not saying that anything goes. We're not talking about that. But walking by the Spirit puts the responsibility upon you to hear God, to have a relationship with the Lord, to be directed by the Spirit. You know, again, as as a pastor, there's some things, again, I certainly will give counsel and, and, and advice and wisdom from Scriptures, but so many times I just... I've just come to this point in my life to a believer on those areas that aren't clear-cut or whatever. I said, you just really just pray about it and be led by whatever the Holy Spirit directs you to do. Yeah, but I want you to tell me. I can't. I can't tell you. Oh, I can tell you. Then you'll be mad at me when that doesn't work. And then you'll go to join Kathleen Baptist or Victory or, you know, that pastor, that idiot, he doesn't know anything. No, it it puts a responsibility for you to get before the Lord and say, God, your word says to ask. Your word says that you will direct me. Your word says that that I can be led by you. And so lead my life in this. Give me wisdom to do this. Speak into my life. We're going to begin the series. Uh, It's been around a while. I know we've done it here years before, uh, you know, uh, back uh, not since I've been here, but it's a great series called Experiencing God. Is how do I hear the direction of God? How do I live and walk in, in hearing uh, what, how God is leading? See, the one of the worst things is to be successful at the wrong things. Right? There's a lot of people that are successful at the wrong stuff. Instead of the Lord saying, let me tell you what I want you to do. Let me tell you what it means to be guided. And we'll, we'll look at that, on, and that'll be a, an aspect on Wednesday. So direction, but notice also 
in verses 19 through 20 is not only direction of being led by the Spirit, but the deeds. Now, this is stated negatively. Paul states this negatively. He said these are the deeds of the flesh, the works of the flesh, if you will. This is the the rotten fruit, if you want to call it that way. Verses 19 through 20. He said, now the works of the flesh, remember the flesh is that sinful nature. It's not eradicated when we're born again. We still have to, in this life, we're going to battle all these things. But as we grow, hopefully the, the, the victory of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, the things that were our youthful sins and, and lusts, those things now are much more under the direction and control and the conformity of the Holy Spirit as we have consistently grown and, and, and learned to seek God's direction. But nevertheless, the works of the flesh, he said, are evident, meaning you don't even need to be a believer to know about this stuff. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivals, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. These are deeds of the flesh. These are negative things that if you don't, these are things that are going to be evidenced in your life. And again, it's not just behaviors, but those behaviors are the works, or I'll say fruit in a negative sense, of a heart. It's a result of a heart issue. Look, I'm not a, is it a horticulturist? Is that somebody that knows about trees and plants, right? All right, I don't even know. All right, I don't have a green thumb. We, 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 if you want to put your plant to sleep for eternity, bring him to our house, all right? We have a gift of doing that. <clears throat> but I can look up uh, at the leaves, the trees, the, the branches, and if I see it rotting, ding, 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 something might be wrong in the soil and the roots, right? And I really know how to kill it when I start trying to replant stuff. So that's, that doesn't work, and it doesn't work for you either, all right? So, but Jesus said something that helps us to make sure we understand that these are not just conformities to moralism. See, let me just kind of go with the sideways a minute. One of the things that sometimes Christianity has failed at is we have equated Christianity with just being a good moral person. And that's certainly, we're not advocating being immoral. But it's not just about doing moral deeds. Because a lot of people that claim the name of Christ who have done moral deeds, quote-unquote, the rottenness and the sinfulness of their heart caught up with them in their life. They were trying to maintain an outward form of godliness. But what does the Bible say? Denying its power. So Jesus said this that's helpful as a reminder in Mark 7. Jesus said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, for from within... Out of the heart, say heart, the heart of man, woman, she's using man in a generic sense. Out of the heart, the inward, come evil thoughts. Look at this. Aren't these the same things we're reading? The sexual immorality, theft, adultery, all those things. Verse 23, all these things come from within. They are what defile a person. So we don't need reformation. <laughs> we need regeneration. We don't need to change our environment. Well, 
you know, good old Southern talk. Well, preacher, I just need to get back in church. Yeah, but you need to get church in you, right? It isn't just showing up and being a good old boy, Southern religion. It's, it's submitting your life to the mastery of Christ and being controlled by the Holy Spirit. It isn't just reorganizing and reforming your environment. You need and I need a heart change. It only comes about by one heart surgeon, and that's Jesus. Jesus can bring the transformation. Here's the bottom line. A Christian can walk in the Spirit, and by the Spirit's power, avoid all these things. Or he can avoid the Spirit and give in to the flesh and fall victim to them. Because again, being led implies following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to skip a couple of things. Look at verse 21. Being led of the Holy Spirit affects direction. When we fail, it shows it in deeds. But also, sadly, Paul says in verse 21, there's a disqualification. Verse 21 He said that those who do such things, what he just cited, these works of the flesh, contrasting those that he'll give us to the fruit of the Spirit, he said those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The NIV, same verse, but the NIV says those who live like this I've said this before in pastoring. You just wonder, why, why do people do certain things? Why, won't, why does their lives seem to, you know, and they make a profession of faith in Christ, and maybe it's immaturity, maybe it's not growth, maybe it's all these things, but sometimes they're, they're, they're not converted. They're just not con- That's why there's no desire there. And they struggle with trying to keep the front. They just they don't really have any desire. They see importance and they're not going to go out and kick the dog and rob a bank or do those things. But they just, there's just really no internal direction. There's no internal leadership in their life. How does that, who is giving this leadership? It's the Holy Spirit. So he says those who do such things. And it's interesting as you go back, I mean he just Go back, I'm sorry, go back and look at verse 19 through 20. The first three have to do with sex, immorality, impurity, sensuality. The word there in the Greek for immorality is porneia. I'll give you a wild guess what word we get from porneia. The next is religion, idolatry, sorcery. Interesting, the word sorcery in the Greek is the word we get pharmacy, which has to do with speaks and about mind-altering drugs, occult religions, witchcraft, idolatry, sorcery, and then relationships. Enmity, the ESV says. NIV says hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Some of you live and eat at the table of strife and anger and jealousy. 
because you just refuse to submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've lived with it and ate at that table for so long, you just say, this is what it is. Well, you don't know. No, I don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows and it doesn't matter. Well, you don't know what I'd, I'd have to do to bring, to bring that relationship, you know, and heal that relationship. Well, do you know what Jesus had to do to bridge a relationship? Is it anything like that? Well, if it's not, then do it. Let's go to the third one. Live by the Spirit. Walk, led, live. Verse 25. If, if, conditional, if we live by the Spirit, I love this, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I'm glad the ESV, they did an update on their translation and it used to not read that way. The NIV used to read that way, but they, because that's a great picture. And so the update, they've changed it to where it says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What do you, what do, you do when you're with somebody keep in step with the Spirit? Here's, a, here's something we all can relate to. You ever tried to follow somebody and somehow 30 seconds when they left the parking lot, they forgot that somebody was following them? And they just, boom! They're just gone. You're like, where are they? Is that them? I don't know. You know, you're trying to follow them. They're not keeping in step. <laughs> you can't keep in step. The Holy Spirit will never go further and will never drag behind. Keep in step with the Spirit. And what do we want to do? Oftentimes, we want to get ahead, right? We want to get ahead. Abraham, God gave him a promise of a son. Didn't happen as quickly as he thought. God, i got an idea. I can help you out a little bit here, how we can do this, how we can pull this thing off. God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need your help. And you get an Ishmael in the, in the process. Look at the evidence, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, fruit. Don't you love good fruit? I bought some peaches. I love peaches. And when they're good, they're good. When they're bad, they're bad. They're lousy. Seems like this is the first year we had any decent watermelon. Every year. And don't give me the yellow and all that. Doesn't matter. I've had some lousy with all the color. Okay, that's how you pick a good watermelon, right? Every good fruit, and it's just good. It's sweet. Oh, it's good. And you eat something that's just mushy and blah and no taste. Like it was made out of farm somewhere in Idaho or something. Like this is nasty. The fruit of the Spirit is good, it's sweet, and it has sweetness as its evidence. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, if I have not love, it doesn't matter how gifted I am. Joy. Joy doesn't mean just walking around with a giggle and a smile all the time, right? But it means that even in this dark valley, when I don't know which way we're going, I know I'm being led by one who knows all things. And there's a joy in knowing that he knows. He knows. There's a joy in spite of my 
circumstances, peace. Jesus said, I give you peace, not as the world gives. Patience, long-suffering, kindness. Oh, how we need Christians just to be kind. You've heard me say it many times. Be kind to everybody. Everybody's having a hard time with something. And that includes your waitress who isn't quite on the ball. Don't be rude. Don't be ugly. I've been around Christians. They get into a restaurant. It's like they pull a mask off. And they're the most, you're just embarrassed to be around them. Be nice. Be kind. Goodness, faithfulness. Those are the evidences. Those are the outward indicators. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 16 and 17, the evidence of the gifts. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. This was an agricultural world. That's why they talked in harvest and fruits and all these things. He said, are grapes, I love grapes, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. You know, we talk, maybe in my background, talked a lot about the evidence of the Holy Spirit was a certain gifting. And I'm not sure that's wrong. I'm not saying it can be. It is a gift. I'm not saying that. But I think the real evidence of the Holy Spirit is having a godly character of the fruit of the Spirit. Because I've known some people that could speak in tongues that were as mean as a snake and lousy in their home. But boy, they could... Hoot and holler and shout and do the whole thing. But their lives were a mess. Don't tell me. Don't tell me that's an evidence of the Holy Spirit. Evidence of the Spirit is love, joy. Doesn't mean being critical of everybody that doesn't cross their T's and dot their I's the way you and I do. Stay off YouTube. There's people that have created an entire marketplace of being critical about everything that's going wrong in the church. And they're doing, what are they doing? Sitting in their mother's basement making these videos. Or wherever they're sitting, I don't know. I'm not saying don't be discerning. I mean, listen, you know, I'm not saying that. Scripture gives us direction and all those things. But you know what happens? Is you begin to develop a critical spirit. And that critical spirit, you begin to and, say, and the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Huh. You're, getting your, you're getting your focus on what everybody else is doing. Take, take the speck. Don't worry about taking the speck out of their eye. You've got a tree beam in your eye. Work on you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And I think sometimes that's the reason we tend to avoid the, this talk of the Spirit and this spiritual aspect because, listen, the Holy Spirit does deep heart work. Those of you have in transformation or were in, in the transformation, that's, it, that's the, the, the behind. The Spirit does deep heart work. Gets down into the deep reservoirs of things that He wants to get into that root system because He wants you to be healthy and fruitful. Good trees bear good fruit. Verse 22, we've talked about the fruit of the Spirit. 
You see, Jesus, in John 14, 26, go to John 14, 26 on the screen. Jesus, I love that Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as what? The helper. The helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit's role is to make you and I like Jesus. His walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living in the Spirit. The more you know Him, the more you love Him. The more you love Him, the more you trust Him. The more that you trust Him, the more you obey Him. The more you obey Him, the more like Him you become. The more you like him, you become the more like him you become, the closer you will become to him, and the closer you become to him, the more you will know him. See, this is all part of this relationship. It's not about religion. It's not coming here for a little time once a month. It's not just doing religious stuff. It's a living, breathing, daily, 24-7 relationship with Jesus Christ, and He's given His Spirit. He's not a history figure. He's someone who stepped out of history and lives inside of us by His Spirit that He's been given to us. Here's three practical quick things as we close this morning. Three practical ways. Number one, cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Cultivate your relationship with Jesus. Don't be a spectator. Be a worshiper of Jesus. Spend time with the Lord by yourself. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Cultivate. Read the Psalms. Read a chapter in the New Testament. Read a gospel. Whatever it is, allow to take time from the noise. Uh, I know somebody here that goes to work early and sits in their truck before they go to work. Because that's their time. They need that. And their life evidences that. Secondly, communicate daily in prayer with Christ, with Jesus. God invites us to pray. And the Holy Spirit invite, and works and, 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 and can give us and say, Lord, take these things. Lord, help me to walk. God, to know your path. Help me to be led. Help me to conform my life. Communicate daily in prayer with Christ. Thirdly, consume the spiritual food of Scripture. You see, these aren't really complicated because when it all comes down to it, it's these three things. When you whittle it all away, this is what it always comes back to. Whether you've been a Christian for a year or 70 years, it comes down to worship, prayer, and the Word, the Scripture. If these things are not operating in your life, you are not walking, being led, and living in the Holy Spirit because these are the tools that the Holy Spirit uses in our life. Where does the Lord's Prayer begin? Hallowed is thy name. See, it begins in worship. Prayer, Scripture, the Word of God, the Word and Spirit. These are tools the Holy Spirit uses, the Word of God. Some of you living, I know, growing up in Florida, have been deep sea diving. And I know somebody that 
comes here, he's not here today, but does cave diving. Some of you may have done that. That's only for the insane, but nevertheless. <laughs> but deep sea divers, you enter the water with oxygen tanks on your backs. The tanks contain oxygen. The purpose of the tanks strapped to their backs is so that they can make it and survive in a foreign environment. Water is not our natural habitat. It's not the normal place for them to live. So in order for them to survive in this foreign world of water, they need to be connected to a life source from their real world. In order for them to make it in that world underwater, they need oxygen. They need air from this world. In other words, if they get disconnected from the air from this world, they won't last long in that world. Their connectedness is the key to their survival because they weren't meant to live in water. So they borrow from this world in order to live in that world. That life source in the life of the Christian is the Holy Spirit. God has given the Christian a life source because this world to the Christian is foreign territory. It is not our natural habitat. In order to live here and make it and survive and to thrive, we need to be connected to a life source from another place. That's what the Holy Spirit in us does. If you get connect, disconnected from His life source, you're not going to survive. That's why Jesus says, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need this. It's not an option. You need to live and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you get disconnected from the life source from your real world, you won't make it as a follower of Christ. You and I will be gagging for air in a world that doesn't offer any because it's foreign territory. The life source comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Cultivate, live in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Grow in the Spirit. Worship, develop, cultivate. Doesn't happen overnight. Happens, I tell you, just by being here today. Engaging in worship, engaging in the Word, relationship, allowing the, being in an environment. Where the Holy Spirit moves and operates. But you're going to leave here. You're going to go back to your world. Guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't live here. He goes with us. And can take, take us. Take us. And wherever we go. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Thou art with me. Thank God for His Spirit. Let's pray.